Thank you, Lord. <coughs> Praise the Lord. The worship today has been great. We thank God. And uh, even though we do have still have some that is uh, out sick, our number has increased. There's a few more here today, and we thank God for that. And uh, we're believing for the rest of them to come. Thank you. Amen. And be, be fine. Hallelujah. We're going to go on and get into the Word at this time. We're going to go to the book of St. John's Gospel, chapter 8. And we're going to begin reading verse 28 down through verse 30. And uh, I want to cordial welcome those who may be viewing today, this time by the live stream. And uh, appreciate you being uh, on with us today. St. John chapter 8, verse 28 through 30. And this is what it reads like. Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I, I am He, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my father taught me, I speak these things, and he sent, He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. I want you to notice that phrase particularly, what Jesus said. I always do those things that please him. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Let us pray. Lord, as we come to you today, we thank you, God, and we praise you for the privilege to come together again as a church body and family to corporately worship you in praise and prayer. But now, Lord, we go into your word and you dealt strongly in my spirit and heart as I was putting this together today. So I ask you to help me to bring this out the way that you brought out today. Encourage us. Give us what we need through your word. In Jesus' name, let the church say, God bless you and you can be seated. Hallelujah. Jesus telling the people that day who he was talking to said, The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. And as he spoke these words, many believed in him. From that passage of Scripture today, I want to speak to you on a subject titled, Striving to please God. Striving to please God. As I was getting into this, it literally exasperated me uh, when I dug down into it to realize how full the Scripture is with issues and stories and things having to do with pleasing God, and putting 
together a message like that in the time frame that's allotted unto me and that I have today to speak to you uh, is quite a hard task because uh, you want to get the mind of the Spirit and you want to bring out what the Lord once brought out. But when the Bible is packed so full with things, that makes it difficult. And I know some of you out there, maybe Bible teachers and ministers or, or just plain students of the Bible yourself, anytime a preacher gets up to preach and he reads a screw, few scriptures, maybe you think in your mind, oh, pastor's fixing to bring this out or he's fixing to bring that out. Uh, it's, it's no way to bring out everything about a subject that the Bible has to say about it. And especially on a subject like this, pleasing God. So what you have to do is try your best to get a hold of the mind of the Spirit to let God be your director in that. Amen? Uh, having said that, I want to begin by telling you a story that I heard a long time ago and uh, of something that happened. A talented young man had worked hard with many long hours for years preparing for this special night. It was his premier appearance as a concert pianist. The audience had heard a lot about his amazing talent, and they packed out that prestigious concert hall to hear him play that night. They weren't disappointed. In fact, his masterful plan brought them to their feet for a thunderous standing ovation at the end of the concert. Backstage, the young man's manager said, they want an encore. Go back out. They want an encore. Get back out there. But the pianist looked strangely dejected with his head bowed down and said, No, I'm not going back out there. His manager said, But they love you, man. Look at them. Listen to them. All of them are on their feet. And still with his head hung down, he mumbled, not all, not all. And that was all the young man could say. When his manager couldn't understand with a puzzled look on his face, the young man's manager says, look back out there again, up in the balcony. And his manager picked, peeked around the curtain and he saw one white-haired old man in the balcony who wasn't standing or applauding like everybody else, the thousands that was in that big hall was doing. <laughs> the manager turned, turned back to the uh, talented young man, the pianist, and he said, hey, come on, that's just one old man out of all those thousands of people. You're going to let one old man hinder you from enjoying this moment? <coughs> the pianist looked back down again at the floor. 
And he said, that's not just one old man. That's my mentor and my teacher. His applause and his approval is the only one that really matters to me. Unless I can play to make him stand, to make him applaud, I have miserably failed. It didn't matter to that concert artist what the crowd thought. Only one opinion mattered. Only one man in that multitude was the one he wanted to please. And that was his teacher. You know how God has wired you and me to live? To please your teacher. To please your creator. But sadly, we tend to lose sight of him in our desire to get the applause of the crowd around us. Oh, hallelujah. Listen to what I'm saying today. Hallelujah. That's, amen, an important reminder for all of us approval junkies who tend to mold ourselves to please other people. It's like we have this ticket that we keep trying to get people to validate for us. Hey, do you like me? Do you like what I'm doing? What do you have to do to get your stamp on my sticker? It's called, amen, some people call this the please disease. Oh, glory to God. Spending so much of your life trying to please others, but there's never enough applause when you do that. There's never enough approval when you do that. And somewhere in all the pleasing, you lose yourself and you lose the pleasure of the only one who can satisfy your heart and your soul, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ who died for you. Somebody give him praise. In our opening text in John 8 and 28, there are eight powerful words to live by on your spiritual journey. Those eight words are this. I always do those things that please Him. These words are simple, but they'll change your life if you make them the core value of your life. And truthfully, they are not an option for anyone desiring to be right with God. Hallelujah. Those eight words are not an option. For anyone, he wants to be right with God. Let me ask, before I go any further, a soul-searching question. Not a show of hands, but one to which we all need to honestly answer down deep in our hearts. And that question is this. Do you always do those things that please him? Or is it, Your time, is your time consumed by things which please you or please others? Are you striving to please God? 
Are you striving to please God? Jesus was truthfully able to make the statement about himself and about his life to say, I do always do the things that please him. I, on the other hand, can't make that statement honestly. Because when I look over and evaluate my life, I know my life has not been every day doing things that please God. Hallelujah. I, amen, have gotten the approval of audiences. I have gotten the approval of people who would pat me on the back from time to time and say, good job, pastor. Good job, preacher. That was a powerful message. But I'm not saying this in a harsh way. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to be able to stand before you this day and preach a message to make everyone here say, oh man, our pastor laid it on the line this morning. He did great. But I'm not looking at you. I'm looking in the balcony. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I got to see him standing. Oh, hallelujah. I got to strike and I win his approval, not your approval. What he thinks of me, not what you think of me. myself I'm no word name mean by means the best of anything but I can I can play some and God has blessed me and there have been times while playing a keyboard playing a guitar or something else that we'd be in a service and people be worshiping in there and in the middle of a song or whatever, I have missed a note. I have dropped a beat. Nobody in the audience might ever notice it because they don't have the ear to music like I have. You follow me? And so that big audience of people who was there Listening to that young man do his recital that night, they gave a thunderous applaud. They said, man, this was, this was great. And they were clapping. Bravo, bravo, bravo. But that monstro up there, that gray-headed old man who had spent his life he understands the note of the music. And he knew when his young protege missed that note. He picked it up when the rest of them didn't. And I'm here to tell you right now, tomorrow morning when you get up and you live your daily life, the notes that you miss living for God, Jesus is going to pick it up. Oh, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost now. Your brother or sister might not never see it. They might say, way to go, way to go. But your master is sitting in the balcony watching your move. <laughs> so I, I can't make that statement because I know I've not always lived for Christ's approval. But I have got to admit that. I've got to repent of that. 
and I've got to move on. And so must you. In this message, talking about striving to please God, there are two points. And as I said, my mind was exploding. There's a lot of things in the scripture I could have put down. But because of time, I can't cover it all. But there are two major points that I want to talk with you about today. Hopefully, that would do two things. Number one, that will encourage you. And number two, put a little more conviction in your heart and life. Because sadly, as I see church people everywhere I go, not just one church, but churches everywhere I go. Nowadays, people do not live day by day in a spirit of conviction as they once did. Hallelujah. It seems like nothing hardly convicts us anymore. Hallelujah. And some of us that are holding our heads and be proud about that, well, I'm I'm not condemned, praise God. Maybe you need to hang your head and pray to God, why ain't I condemned? Why ain't I'm convicted? So I want to talk about these two things. The challenges of pleasing God and the rewards of pleasing God. And we're going to first talk about the challenges of pleasing God. When you begin to live a life that you want to please God, that you want to be able to do the same thing that Jesus said he did when he was on this earth, you're going to face a few challenges. There's going to be a few obstacles. Amen. It's going to come up in front of you from time to time. And that first challenge is when we are living too much in the flesh. One of the biggest things that caused us not to be able to make that statement that Jesus made, the where we can honestly say, I do always, all time, please God, is because I don't care how long we've been in the church, how long we've been saved, we still have a tendency to live in the flesh more than we do after God. All of us. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 through 8, this is what it has to say about that. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because a carnal mind is enmity, that means to be hostile toward, hostility against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Verse 8. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Though I think I'm a pretty good old boy, and I try to live all right, the biggest obstacle of Sammy Pruitt living every day to please God is not... My brother and sister, it's not those people I work with, and it's not even the devil. It's me, my flesh, my carnal nature, 
that even though I came to God as a young boy when I was seven year old and God called me to preach when I was 14 year old, I spent a little bit of water under the bridge. I still battle with my carnal mind. And there are too many days I'll follow it than the Spirit of God. And as long as you are in the flesh, you cannot please God. That's not what I say. That's what the book says. Hallelujah. That's a challenge for pleasing God. Now, because of time and because I want, I want to move, I'm going to have to move on. I can't bring out everything about this as I'd like. Another challenge of, of pleasing God is a lack of faith. And everybody ought to be able to quote this scripture, Hebrews 11 and 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Hallelujah. That's the first thing, folks. You have got to be able to increase your faith. We got too many people walks around with a defeatist attitude. Too many of us want to be stars on a show that went out there a long time ago, and that's hee-haw. Because there's a lot of church people, I need to buy them a pair of bib overhauls and a straw hat where they can get up there and sing that song with all them old hee-haw. Now, for I know some of you younger people probably don't even know what in the world pastor's talking about. But oh, junior samples and some of those old fellows would get up there in them overhauls and straw hat, start singing gloom, despair, and agony on me. Oh, deep dark depression, excessive misery. Oh, if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Oh. I've got to honestly applaud my dear wife who constantly gets on to me for saying, boy, I've been lucky. She said, don't use that word lucky. <laughs> Children of God don't have luck, good or bad. I'm not lucky, I'm blessed. <laughs> Some of you need to get a habit in your mind that when somebody walks up to you and they say, well, how you doing today? You need to say, I'm blessed and highly favored. Come on. Get out of that gloom and doom and agony on me. Because as long as you got doubt in your life, as long as you got some fear there, you can't please God. Because without faith... It's impossible to please Him. One more area of challenge, and then I'll move to point two. And that is seeking to please either yourself or others. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10 reads like this. For I do, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, 
I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Now, I want to read that scripture again in the God's Word translation. Listen close to what it says. Am I saying this now to win the approval of people or God? Am I trying to please people? Quit trying to be a people pleaser. That will get you all upset, bum-fuzzled, and just corn-fused. Hallelujah. You're never going to win everybody's approval. It's not going to happen. And even though I'm your pastor, I'm not, one, I'm not the one you should be seeking to please. You need to be seeking to please the one sitting in the balcony. Amen. Do you hear me? What's he doing? How's he taking your performance in life? Think about that. Think about that. Quit trying to be, amen, a pleaser of people. Don't, don't get, don't get by, bit by the bug cause you to have the please disease. Seek for his approval. His approval. Let me move on. And let's talk about the rewards of pleasing God. I want to end this message on a, on a high note, on a, an encouragement, because I know some of the things that I've talked about will probably bring you down, or it should, because it meant it brought me down when God was giving me the message. But I want to end it on a high note, and we're going to do that by talking a little bit about the rewards of pleasing God. Number one, it helps you better to live in peace. When you go through your life trying to please God rather than everybody else and you make it your goal in the center point of your life, you're going to have a more peaceful life. And I say that because of what Proverbs 16 and 7 says. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Hey, let me tell you something. When you're striving to please God, he knows how to shut up that person that you can't shut up. And we all got some of them, don't we? Come on. We all got some of them. We just, even though we ain't never told them, we ain't told them to the face. But man, we'll get up and run out to the bathroom and leave the desk at work and we'll go to the bathroom and get in that stall and we'll rattle some paper. And while we rattle the paper, we'll say, I wish they'd just shut up. <laughs> whoop, 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 it's the truth anyhow. Well, <laughs> glory. There again, I'm going to use Sister Darlene because she has said, I sure would love, love to lay hands on them without prayer. <laughs> 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 I 
But if you, if you strive to please the Lord, some of those people, those people that get up next to you, those who don't really care about your well-being, who rub you raw all the time, he knows how to make them shut up when you can't. Come on. He knows how to make them be at peace with you. Glory to God. So, that's a reward of pleasing God. And then, here's another reward that those of us are living right now. It's something we need to be thinking about, especially in the season and the hour that we're living in. A reward of, of pleasing, living to please God is so you can make the rapture. If I'm alive, when the, he splits the eastern skies, I want to be on the first flight out. Now, do you know, do you know the rapture has already occurred for some people? There have been some that God has already given proof that a rapture is possible. And I'm going to take you to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For behold, before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, you ought to give a hand clap on that. There's an old song that an old man in the church years ago when I was a kid used to sing, What Will I Leave Behind? When I leave for worlds unknown, what am I going to leave behind down here? I'm going to tell you something. There's no better leaving behind than what Enoch did was his testimony that he pleased God. Now, I want to read that scripture Again, in the Amplified Version. Listen to it. Because of faith, Enoch was caught up and transferred to heaven. The word rapture means to be caught up. That's what I'm talking about here. Before Enoch, he he was caught up and transferred to heaven so that he did not have a glimpse of death. And he was not found because God had translated him. For even before he was taken to heaven, he received testimony, or still on record, that he had pleased and satisfactory to God. He had pleased and been satisfactory to God. The rapture can happen. Don't let the naysayers cause you to doubt. Hallelujah. It can happen. And it's going to happen again. Because one day, like he went away, I believe he's coming back as he said. Oh, my, my, my. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
high up on the mountain from where he ascended the angel of the Lord declared that it would be woo hallelujah why stand here he grieving for the one you see leaving for in like manner he's coming back like he said and I believe he's coming back just like he said I believe that As my dad used to say, I'm about ready to have a spell now. That's a reward of pleasing God, church. Not nobody else. Not yourself, not your friends, not your family. Not even your pastor. Because I don't have to say so whether or not you're going to go in the rapture or not. Amen. That's not my decision. Hallelujah. So you better please the one who has the sole right to make that decision. Now, one more reward of pleasing God. And this is what I have strived to live my life for these 65 years. Is one day to hear him say, Well done. Well done. Matthew 25 and 21. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. How will make you rule over many things? Enter into the joy of your Lord. Read it again in God's Word translation. I like this. His master replied, Good job. Hallelujah. Good job. I want to live pleasing Him because it don't matter if I don't ever hear nobody else after I get through preaching say, Pastor, good job. I want to hear him say, good job, Sammy. Good job. You're a good and faithful servant. You proved that you could be trusted. you can be trusted with a small amount I realize you may never have pastored a church with thousands but you have proven to me that you can be trusted with those I put in your care and you preach to them my word. No matter when times they got upset with you, you still preach the word. No matter when some people left you, you still preach the word. And now I say, Sammy, good job. Good job. Welcome home. Come on in. 
Do you remember the concert pianist? The scripture that I just read. To hear him say, well done. Well, good job. One day, I strive to please him that one day, the one stepping up in the balcony, when everybody else is not around, and I stand before him, he will stand up. You performed it perfect. You took my spirit. And even in bad situations, you played on. Even in trials, you kept playing. Hallelujah. You kept on struggling. You kept on trying. I'm saying bravo because I'm standing for you this day. Because you stood for me those years. Stand and give some praise.